the supplemental plan typically we do think of as you know the the little bit but if you look at it in pure numbers the supplemental plan is more cost effective for people that are going to use it welcome to retire smarter with kevin krosky find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world it's time to retire smarter Welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt here alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida. You can find us online by going to truewealthdesign.com for more information, to listen to past shows, to subscribe, and for lots of other great resources and information. Kevin, great to be with you this week. How are you, my friend? Walter, I am uh, fantastic. It's been a while since we spoke, and it feels like I don't want to say an eternity, but just a lot has transpired. I, I, I believe one of the last times we spoke, my daughter was just starting uh, or getting ready to start school, and it was in a virtual environment is what my wife elected. And um, <laughs> I checked in, I think, midday, maybe like around 1030, and, and there was tears oh, no. <laughs> from, from <laughs> my six-year-old at the time. I checked back in around noon, and then there was tears from mommy. <laughs> and then, by the end of the day, she's going to school tomorrow. So the whole virtual thing literally lasted one day. And so we've been doing uh, in school uh, for, I don't know, probably about six weeks at this point, uh, five weeks. And uh, nobody's come home with COVID. Uh, nobody, at least to our knowledge, has had COVID in our class. Uh, she loves her teacher. She has a couple of friends in her class and everybody is much happier. So things change quite quickly. Oh, that's good to hear. Are they having to like social distance in class? I mean, how is that whole whole deal going with keeping kids, you know, from getting too close to one another? I got to imagine that's a challenge. Sure. I, you know, our seven or she's seven now. She actually just had her birthday yesterday, but she had um, she's a very responsible seven year old. Uh, she's you know, I, uh, I'm a guy, so I'll pick on guys for a moment and and little boys because I once was one. But uh, I mean, I think they just listen better than most little boys. Um, and she was she's you know, she definitely kind of fits that. So she's wears a mask. She washes her hands. She has good hygiene. She's so we're not necessarily you know worried about her, but yeah, I think the school's doing the best that they can. The communication has been good. Uh, the uh, no breakouts yet. It's probably inevitable, uh, but <clears throat> so far so good anyway. Well, that's good to hear, and uh, best of luck as the rest of the semester plays out. It'll be over before you know it, and we'll be on to new challenges and issues in 2021. But at least maybe 2020 will wrap up on a positive note for the kids getting back in school and uh, getting things straightened out. Uh, well, speaking of healthcare and uh, medicine and those kinds of issues, that's going to be the major focus of our show today, and it's going to include a special guest as well. We're going to be talking all things Medicare on today's episode, and Kevin, we're excited to have a special guest joining us. Yeah, so I, I invited, this is, I believe, the first guest that we're going to have besides uh, myself, Walter, I know, since you're the, the host. Um, but Zig Novak uh, is uh, a, a local insurance agent that we've worked with uh, in Northeast Ohio for, for a few years now. And and he does a great job uh, just really working one-on-one -on -one, uh, with uh, our clients that need help on individual medical plans, on uh, also on Medicare supplemental or advantage plans, which we'll, we'll talk about the, the alphabet soup of, of Medicare today. And we're recording this podcast at the very tail end of September and right on the cusp of uh, an enrollment period uh, for, for Medicare. So going into the fourth quarter, we'll talk about uh, Medicare today and then in the next episode, 
uh, we will talk about uh, health care for earlier retirees, so before uh, Medicare. So that's kind of how we'll break it up. But one of the reasons we're talking about health care is because it's one of the key concerns for, for all retirees. You know, you're working for a company for 30, 40, maybe 50 years. You're on the group health plan and, and they, they kind of take care of it for you, right? Maybe they give you a couple choices to pick from during your open enrollment uh, in the fourth quarter of every year, but, um, but it's pretty much done. And uh, now when you are no longer, you know, with that employer, and uh, you're making choices over, well, am I going to go on COBRA? Am I going to go on an exchange plan? Do I have a retiree medical option? A lot of those are going away uh, these days and have been for quite some time. And then once you are uh, 65 and better and you're eligible for Medicare. So there's all these different transitions as it relates to health care. It is a big concern. Certainly want to make sure that we have uh, hopefully good health and uh, health care is certainly related to having uh, good health. And those transition aspects always create stress for people. So uh, our goal is really to make sure that we take some of the stress out of those transitions and uh, help people become a little bit more informed and make smart decisions on their health care. So, so that's why Zig is joining us today. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Zig, what I was thinking what we do is really just kind of talk through some big picture items and then we'll take it down from the clouds closer to the runway. Uh, but you know, Medicare, I mentioned, uh, has kind of this alphabet soup, uh, you know, A, B, you know, C and D, and as well as all kinds of other letters that are associated with some supplemental plans. So maybe we can just you know, talk for a couple minutes and just kind of give a brief overview of the different parts of, of Medicare. And then, and then we'll transition and start talking about maybe say like initial enrollment and then this open enrollment or the selection period that we have each year. Yeah. Sounds good. So what I typically say to clients is, you know, you've paid into Social Security and Medicare while you've worked when you're turning 65 and in other cases sometimes, but you're becoming Medicare eligible. So you've paid into that benefit. Now you're, it's time for you to take that benefit out. And, you know, we start basically with Medicare Part A is the hospital portion. There's a schedule of benefits. And, you know, we sit, when I sit down with uh, clients, we review that basic schedule of, of what that entails. And then Part B is typically considered the medical portion. That's uh, a little more prevalently used, I guess. Uh, that's your doctor visits, inpatient, outpatient. And it has a schedule, but essentially you'll hear people call it 80%, and that's true. I mean, most of the Part B expenses are 80%, with 20% falling to the client, or if they have a plan, that pay, the, the plan may pay for that. So... Part C is a Medicare Advantage plan, and those are uh, private insurance companies that you would hire to take over your medical plan instead of Medicare Part A and B. Part D is the prescription drug portion of that. And in our area, in you know Akron, Ohio, there's 28 plans right now. Uh, we'll see how many there are here in a couple days, October 1st, when all the, the new plan information is released. And any more, you know, there's a there's an alternate option from the Part C, the Medicare Advantage. There's a Medicare supplement, and those are the two typical paths we discuss: Med Sub versus Med Advantage. And any more, I'm starting to hear that called Part E, but I don't think that's really caught on or has has been, you know, designated at this point. But we are hearing it a little bit. So those are the main parts. 
So you have part A, that's your hospitalization. And, and if anybody looks at their, their pay stub, you know, you have uh, like 1.45% being deducted and contributed uh, for part A for Medicare. And your 6.2%, uh, yeah, there's two together, and those are the payroll tax deductions you have, but the 6.2 is for Social Security. So for most people, when they get into retirement, they don't have to pay for anything for Part A. However, just kind of a quick tangent, uh, if for some reason you didn't uh, qualify for Medicare Part A, you can actually buy it. It just it costs a certain amount of money that you would have to pay out of pocket for it. But for most people, Part A is going to be free. Uh, so Part B, uh, Zig, is there a cost associated with Part B? Part B's standard premium is one forty four sixty. dollars I would need to reference, like you said, Part A if you have to buy it. I, don't quote me on this. I think it's four fifty two dollars right now. But yeah, the Part B premium is one forty four sixty, dollars subject to IRMA, and that is... You know, off the top of my head, couples that make more than $174,000 would pay more for their Part B premium. Yeah, well, that's a great point. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about IRMA and, and planning um, at, towards the tail end of today. So uh, let's assume that Part A is for hospitalization is free. Our outpatient for Part B, uh, we're paying, I'm just going to use round numbers here, $145 a month. Uh, and we'll get into some details of kind of uh, the Medicare supplemental plans versus Medicare Advantage plans. But if you were just to put like maybe an average cost for people that you're working with, what are you seeing that they're paying for 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 one of those if you just kind of, because that part is really just filling in some of the gaps of you know that other 20% or so that the outpatient uh, isn't, uh, Medicare Part B isn't providing for. So it's just filling in the gaps of, of A and B. Is that a decent way to think about it, Zig? Yeah, and you know, addition to Part A and B, so supplemental to is, is typically how we say, but it is called a Medicare gap policy, but uh, it is secondary coverage typically. So I say that Medicare supplements start around $100. So that's an addition, as you said, Kevin, to your 145 your Part B, and then the supplements start around $100. The typical is around 110 and they go up from there, typically annually as we get older, they go up anywhere from 3 to $5 a month in premium. The Advantage plans are, you know, you can get an Advantage plan that is a zero premium plan, including your medical, your prescription, and some additional benefits. Uh, typically, I say zero to 20 to $30 on those Advantage plans. Okay, so... If I do some quick math here, so for around 145 for Part B, we had on a, a, a typical supplemental plan that you're seeing. So now we're up to about 245 per month, and I'll just kind of stay there. It could be a little bit less if we go down the Advantage plan route. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. And then, um, so then Part D for the drug plan, what are you typically seeing there? And can you tell me a little bit more about Part D? Yeah, for Part D, that's the add-on to the Medicare supplement. So, you know, around 110 for the supplement, add on a prescription drug card, typically starting around $15, give or take. And, you know, those can go up into, you know, 50 60 even $100, depending. Again, there's almost 30 of them in our area right now. Um, it comes down to the particular client's needs. Uh, what is their formulary? What, are, what prescriptions do they take? And which carrier is going to offer them the best benefit on that prescription card? But most of the time, uh, you know, a $15, 20 or $25 drug card is very serviceable for the client's needs. Okay. So if we're then 
continue on 145 for part B, about 100 for a typical supplemental plan, maybe another 15 or 25 for the drug plan. So now we're looking around maybe 260 or 270 a month. And when I, if I put all that together, um, and we still may have some out of pocket costs, but um, do you have maybe a ballpark of what you typically see for a client? And and Zig, maybe we think of somebody who's uh, more of an early retiree, so somebody that's you know maybe just in their their sixties going on in Medicare or even you know just a few years into it. Um, I think we all know that we consume more healthcare as we age, and you've already indicated that hey, those those premiums are going to go up a little bit as you get older. But when you think about an out of pocket cost for those those average plans that you mentioned for supplemental as well as for Part D. What should somebody expect? And of course, we don't know how much we're going to consume, but I mean, if you're just kind of saying, oh yeah, hey, on ballpark, you should probably expect about X, what might X be? So on a supplement side, again, you're paying, let's say $110 a month for the additional coverage. You're only out of pocket with our typical selection, uh, Medicare supplement plan G is my, my typical go-to. You're only out of pocket right now is $198 annual deductible for your part. It's the Part B deductible is all that you would have as far as medical expenses for the year. So you, you mentioned Plan G there. and we, we won't get into all the details on kind of the supplemental plans just yet, but um, safe to say like a Plan G is going to cover a fair amount, um, maybe a little bit more of a benefit-rich plan than not. So, so that's why you're saying, at least in part, that there's, there's going to be fairly limited out-of-pocket costs if you're selecting that kind of plan. Is that a fair statement? That's correct. I mean, you know, the 198 is your out-of-pocket cost for Medicare-covered services. The, you know, as we said on Part B, uh, Medicare already covers 80%. You buy the Medicare supplement, it covers 20%, with the exception of a 198 deductible right now. And so... You know, you're, and as far as Part A goes, where the schedule leaves off uh, for Part A Medicare coverage, the Medicare supplement comes in and starts, you know, supplemental to your schedule of benefits and picks up 100% up to what I say is the Medicare limitations. There are some, you know, limitations on length of service, but most people aren't going to get there. And yeah, the supplement does come in and pick up additional to Medicare and you're as, as a supplemental client, you're only out of pocket expense on an annual basis as a $198 deductible. Okay. And, and what about drugs? Um, is it possible that you might see much higher cost uh, fall under the drug part of the plan? So we do have some people, uh, I, the example I'll give is I have had some clients that do take some fairly expensive prescriptions that are covered a little better under potentially their employer plan or even under an Obamacare individual plan. Gentleman comes to mind, had a, a prescription that he took that was about $10,000 a month. When we get to Medicare, there is no cap like he had on his Obamacare plan. Uh, so sometimes, depending on, you know, clients' issues, there can be times when Medicare is a little tougher, but most people uh, do benefit by getting to Medicare. You know, the costs go down, the coverage goes up. But there are certain times when, you know, certain prescriptions maybe aren't covered as well. And kind of back to your point, with a prescription card, there is no ceiling. There, you know, if you take prescriptions and you have to buy them throughout the year, there is no cap where 
Medicare covers 100%. So, you know, somebody that gets to the coverage gap um, or the donut hole, as people call it, it can get a little more expensive for your prescriptions. Now, that has been closed, but it's not gone away, per se. So, but then when you do get to catastrophic coverage, your co-pays should go down, your costs should go down, but they don't, they're never going to end if you are, you know, buying prescriptions throughout the year. Okay. So, um, the, I'm glad we have you in our network. Um, but a lot of these terms and I'm a pretty detailed guy, but it's like, uh, candidly, I don't know for me, it's like health insurance has always been like this fingernails on the chalkboard kind of experience. But, um, <laughs> one, I'll look at this from a different angle, but, um, you know, when you look at the cost that we talked about for Part B for uh, a supplemental plan as well as for Part D plan, you know, ballpark we're about two hundred fifty a month or a little bit more than three thousand dollars a year. You know, the out of pocket's pretty limited. Sure, there's could be some sort of um, drugs that could be expensive. I think we're all aware of that, um, and and there is no cap on that per se under Part D. So it could get pretty pricey. I can tell you as a, for, from our client base, you know, we've been doing tax returns for more than 10 years now. And at least up until 2017, it was very beneficial for our, our retired uh, clients, particularly to go ahead and give us all of their medical information for a potential itemized deduction on their tax return. And whenever um, tax reform happened, uh, starting for 2018 tax year, because the standard deduction was substantially higher, a lot of people just it, you just couldn't itemize anymore. But uh, out of the 200 or so clients that we have, we have a fair amount that are retired and a fair amount that are on Medicare. And whenever I explain Medicare to uh, a client or somebody's getting ready to maybe meet with Zig or what have you, I'll often give a ballpark and say, you know, we typically would see if somebody's getting like a supplemental plan, when you add in all of their costs, maybe it's about three grand per year or so per person. And the numbers that you just gave to me match up with what we saw from the tax returns that we did over time, as well as uh, from, you know, just what I would explain based on that experience. So I, I think that's maybe a simple takeaway. You have all these different things that can kind of come into play and, you know, Medicare cover services or formulary or, you know, donut hole, this and that. But when you when you simplify it and really look at kind of what's our total cost, what's our total exposure here, I think three thousand dollars, at least as a starting point for somebody that's in in decent health in their in their mid sixties going on to Medicare is probably a, a good place to be. And sure, there's always going to be outliers, and sure, your healthcare costs are going to comprise a bigger portion of your income as you age. Um, in fact, before I was uh, we started recording today, I was just looking at a, an old article that I wrote a few years ago about how healthcare costs and uh, how it relates to your uh, spending throughout retirement. And this was a study that I had seen and it said, like, hey, at age 60, healthcare costs consume about 5% or so of your total expenditures. But when you get up to age 80, they're consuming about 15% of your total expenditures. So part of that is you're, you're using more of it. The other part of it is you're, you're candidly, you're doing a little less, you know, this is the old sixties or the go-go year, seventies or the slow go eighties or the no-go. And, and, and again, that keeps getting pushed back as, as we can live longer and be healthier. Um, but I, I think we know all that. So the $3,000 per year seems like a pretty reasonable starting point. 
And the only other thing that I would say, and, and please chime in uh, if, if you know any differently, but you'll see a lot of these studies that come out, uh, and we use one uh, in part of our financial planning input. It's uh, from a big healthcare consultant called uh, Milliman. Um, there's other studies that are done by um, Kaiser Foundation, by Fidelity, by Vanguard about kind of the cost of retiree healthcare. And you'll often see about $5,000 per year throughout retirement. So we just went through and did a kind of a simple example and just added up those premiums, added out the out-of-pocket, and we came up with a number like around 3,000. But these studies are saying around five. And when I've looked into those studies, uh, Zig, what I've found is that, you know, there's tends to be a pretty big dispersion between you have maybe kind of an average or, or a good health person and then maybe some people with chronic conditions that really consume a lot of health care and probably skew those averages. Um, is, have you seen, uh, would you agree with that statement? Have you seen any of those studies or read any of those studies? I haven't read what you're talking about. I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I, and I do agree, like I say, with the supplemental side, it is closer to 3000 overall because it's mostly premium. You have very little out-of-pocket medical expense. Now, again, there could be some prescription expense on top of that. Uh, with On the Advantage side, which I assume we'll talk about a little bit, but uh, you know, the out-of-pocket on some of those medical plans can be around six, almost $7,000. And if somebody really has a bad year, you know, you're talking about uh, co-pays and co-insurances of up to $6,000. So I think that's kind of the other side of it. No, great point. I uh, completely, completely agree with that. And the other thing that you mentioned and probably bears worth elaborating on is what Medicare covered services. So in our experience, when uh, I can think of several tax returns that we looked at and said, wow, you know, hey, we got... Fifteen twenty thousand dollars in healthcare costs this year, and when I would talk to those clients, most oftentimes it would be things like, "Oh yeah, we had to we had to get a lot of dental work done. We had implants. You know, hey, we had to get our um, hearing aids, and, and those things aren't covered by Medicare." So it always would seem to us that uh, things like vision, dental. Um, and certainly, uh, the, the hearing aids, you know, there's certain things that as you get older, you're going to need, but those things aren't going to fall under that Medicare covered services. Would you agree with that? Zig? Yeah. Those typically dental vision hearing, uh, the plans do have a lot of them do have options. Uh, I would tell you, you know, on the supplement side around $30, we have an option. A lot of people take advantage of those benefits can be built into some of the advantage plans or sometimes they are optional supplemental benefits that you can purchase to help you for those scenarios dental vision and hearing okay so some of those and and i it, i guess in my experience and one of the reasons why um the fingernails on the chalkboard analogy was used it's like it's always kind of whatever the language is it's um and i can't say this definitively because I don't have first-hand experience of it, but second-handed from clients, maybe there are certain benefits that were included, but they wanted a different level of, uh, of an implant or of a hearing aid or something of the sort. But um, it, it gets pretty complicated to say the least. And uh, you know, that's certainly why you want somebody, in my opinion, like a Zig that is informed and can help you work through all of this as far as what's likely to be best for you. So uh, I guess if we transfer over and transition over to that choice between advantage plan and supplemental plans, 
Uh, we can talk through that. Um, I guess one of the things I would say as a preface to this is, and it's just a basic principle of insurance. So again, I'm not a, a Medicare expert. I'm not uh, a healthcare expert at, at all. It's a very important part of retirement planning because we need a good cost estimate. And we need to be able to project that over time. So I would say I'm kind of theoretically informed and I've gotten um, practical experience uh, really over the last 15 or 20 years and just working with people um, and then kind of figuring it out as, as we go and working with people like Zig. And, and that's where you get a little bit more of the pragmatic experience. Uh, but insurance, if everybody thinks about the insurances that they have, you can think about uh, your house, your car, you know, particularly by life insurance when you're younger and you're working and you have a, a family uh, and an income to replace if something were to happen to you. Those are all examples of a potential large loss for what is probably a very low probability event. And that tends to be a good thing for insurance. You know, hey, if this loss is really going to harm me and my family, but I can pay insurance company uh, some premium amount to transfer that risk. So my family and I don't have financial ruin. Well, hey, that's probably a pretty good trade off. But whenever you transfer that risk, it always comes at a price. You want your insurance company to be around, to be in business, to be responsive, to provide good service, to pay claims. Um, so when you transfer a risk, you should expect to lose money on average. What's always been interesting to me about healthcare is, um, you know, some of these things you've talked about where, you know, going to a doctor and paying, you know, even if you had to pay out of pocket, like $100 for a doctor visit. Um, that's a high probability event and it isn't really a large loss. And uh, it always was a bit of a head scratcher to me because I understood the principle of insurance, but it just didn't really make sense to me why it was kind of showing up the exact opposite in health insurance. But I always uh, sarcastically said that, well, that's why health insurance is so screwed up. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I think that principle kind of comes into play when, at least in my mind, um, when you think about like Medicare Advantage or Medicare Supplement. So the way that I understand it, Zig, is like if you go to the supplemental route, oftentimes you're getting more of a benefit-rich plan and the Advantage plan is gonna be a little bit more of a cost savings aspect to it, but you you have more risks. Is that is that kind of a good starting point or am I thinking about that incorrectly? Yeah, I believe you're correct. I mean, we look at the supplemental plan, you are paying over $100 a month and you do it can be we hear people say in the in the market uh, pay now or pay later so the supplemental plan would be the pay now you're paying a little bit higher premium for a better benefit again you only have around a two hundred dollar annual deductible from your medical expenses uh, you know quick additional benefits to the supplement they do travel a little better we say uh, you can see any provider nationally that accepts Medicare so, you know, for some people that, that live in multiple locations or travel frequently, those can be a better option. You know, the Advantage plans are going to be a little bit lower cost. Again, zero, twenty, thirty bucks. Uh, but they do have co-pays and co-insurances as you use them. They do have more strict networks. Uh, typically HMOs, some are PPO plans, but the, you know, most that we use are HMOs. Um, some of them with very good extensive networks so the HMO aspect of it doesn't matter too much but you are going to be you're going to have to use those doctors uh, but they do add some supplemental benefits in there too that we maybe can't get on the on the supplemental side or, or we have to pay extra for on the supplemental side so yeah like I say pay now or pay later but 
the supplemental plan typically we do think of as you know the the little bit but if you look at it in pure numbers the supplemental plan is more cost effective for people that are going to use it yeah that's a great point you know if you're con a big consumer of healthcare, if you have a chronic condition if you know something of the sort uh and you know you're going to use it then uh and you run the numbers i think that's a great way to kind of look at this and and certainly that's something that zig has helped uh, our people our clients go through and um and then on the other hand uh, we've had a lot of clients that you know they're going and on to medicare for the first time they're healthy they feel good um they haven't consumed a lot of health care and they look at you know the cost differential like hey i'll just start out with the medicare advantage plan and i'll just i'll just roll with it and at least as long as i've been practicing so far you probably have more experience than i do as at least as it relates to medicare zig but um we haven't had anybody that has really had any regret candidly over either path that they picked <laughs> usually what in my experience uh, somebody has retired early and they were not on medicare and then once they were able to go on to medicare uh, they were very happy that they were able to go on Medicare, whichever plans that they picked, because the, the coverage was a lot better at a much uh, lower price. And uh, the transition aspect always created some stress. But once they got there, I had one client say it was like the pearly gates of healthcare opened up and they were admitted and they were quite happy about it. I agree. We get, you know, we hear that quite frequently. A lot of people are just trying to, you know, get to Medicare. You know, examples we've had in the past, I mean, people are paying or, or employers are helping pay, you know, eight, nine thousand dollars or more sometimes for, for a health plan for somebody. And then when they get to Medicare, Kevin, to summarize, you know, what you were saying, I, I typically say when quickly ask about three hundred dollars a month for uh, supplemental and about 175 or so for the Advantage plan. So, you know, a self-employed person that's that's buying an Obamacare plan for eight eight nine hundred dollars a month when we get them to medicare you know for 175 or 300 dollars they're ecstatic and they're typically going from a high deductible plan to you know again uh, you know with the supplement a very low deductible uh really rich uh health benefit and even on the advantage side too the you know the benefits are typically a, a major upgrade from what they have previously Okay. Um, a couple other questions and uh, we can wrap up. Uh, but when we're going into this uh, open enrollment and, and let's skip the, the initial enrollment period. Um, well, you may need to mention a little bit, but uh, what about switching between Medicare supplemental plans as well as Medicare Advantage plans? Uh, can you maybe just comment on that? And I know there's some things you need to be mindful about there. Yeah, sure. And you know what? Initial enrollment can simply be thought of as when you're approaching age 65, you're, you're approaching your initial enrollment period. So the annual enrollment period is coming up here for October through December 7th. And that's technically when we can do applications to change plans would be October 15th through December 7th. Uh, here on Thursday, October 1st, we can start evaluating all the new options that will be effective for January 1. So uh, what, what are clients' options? If you're on a Medicare supplement, you can your supplement isn't going to renew per se. That renews every 12 months from when you signed up. But your prescription card, you can now look at options uh, for starting January 1, 2021. And, you know, again, there's about 28 drug cards right now, depending on the county that you're in. 
and there's going to be more for next year and we have to see what those are and again october 1 we're going to sit down and take a look at all the all the options um with the supplement if you wanted to if you wanted to switch over to a different carrier that would be a medical application it would be medically underwritten it would be accepted or declined and then the prescription portion of it is guarantee issue uh, annual enrollment you can change you know for january 1 if there's a better option the uh when you say medically underwritten so i've seen some of these medicare advantage kind of big uh, application and information booklets that the carriers will put out. And I don't know if they're all the same, but I, I'm kind of going from memory here, and I could see like maybe just kind of like a three to, or five question sort of medically underwritten, like are you contemplating some sort of surgery or something of the sort? I mean, you're, you're not actually going through and kind of getting blood drawn, peeing in the cup, medically underwritten. You're just maybe answering a few questions uh, along those lines. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? That's correct. It's it's a basic medical application, typically one to two pages. I do a lot of those electronically, and they're going to be, you know, gatekeeper questions. Um, you know, if you've had cancer or heart attack or something like that, it's going to automatically decline from a lot of the carriers. Uh, there are other carriers that will offer you a modified plan, but they're typically not cost effective. So yeah, it's, it's a basic medical application. We've, you know, we've got plenty of people rewritten uh, if we find a, a carrier that's maybe offering a little bit lower rate, we can do a medical application, send it in, and the carrier comes back, accept or decline. We've had some accepted that we weren't sure if, if we, they would be, and we've had some declined, obviously, that uh, we thought potentially would be accepted. There is no physical. It is going to go off the, the medical information on the application. They can ask for additional physician's records if, if they want them, though. So if you have somebody that is maybe coming into 65 and they are healthy, you know, they're active, they haven't had any major issue, you know, they're going to their doctor and what have you, and they look at this choice about um, supplemental or advantage plans. Um, and if they, they choose the advantage plan route, then, you know, maybe they're availing themselves of that, of their lower premiums for years, everything is still all kind of you know, fine and good, but then, you know, maybe something is, is changing in their life. If, if they wait too late, so to say, or, you know, like you said, if it's cancer or something and they say, hey, I'm going to consume a lot of healthcare now, then they can't just switch back over. You know, they, they still have to pass that medical underwriting, but, um, they, but they may be able to, and this is a question, but, you know, maybe they go on for the first 10 years and they say, you know, hey, I've, you know, I'm getting older, you know, having a little bit more kind of concerns and I've availed myself of these kind of lower premiums for the first 10 years of retirement. So from say 65 through 74. And, and now I, I'm, I'm going to try to go ahead and just flip over and go on a supplemental plan. Is that a, you know, because I'm going to get older and I'm going to consume more healthcare, maybe not this year or whatever, but is that a reasonable strategy in your mind? It can be. I, I typically think of it the opposite, but yeah, it, it depends on every client's different. They have different needs. And if they say, yeah, you know, I'm getting older, I've been on an advantage plan. Uh, it's done well for me. I'm concerned that I, you know, am getting older, may have more medical coming up. So let, yeah, let's look at a supplement. We don't have it that often. I, more often, I guess I have people that were on a supplement, went to an Advantage plan and say they want to go back. Uh, honestly, not that often, but it does happen. As far as, yeah, going to the supplement, again, as long as we can qualify medically, we can do that. If you've been on an Advantage plan for 10 years and want to try the supplemental side, uh, but what I see, Kevin, typically is uh, somebody that maybe was on a supplement 
Keep in mind the supplemental costs are going to go up as we get older too. So when you start looking at you know a plan that where you started let's say 110 or 120 dollars and now it's costing you $200. I see people, they're not traveling as much, they're more localized, so the extensive network of the supplemental side uh, is limited. Uh, I do see people moving to Advantage plans from supplement more often than the opposite. Interesting, probably because maybe the cost differential in percentage terms could still be similar, but the, the dollars are just larger, and so maybe they, they have a sort of pain threshold and. I would suspect that that maybe makes them more of a move because when you're thinking about where we started today and I'll try to put a bow on this, but you know, if you're looking at say a $20 per month premium for an advantage plan or hundred dollars for a fairly benefit rich supplemental plan, there's probably a lot of people that are tuning in saying oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, it's about a thousand bucks a year and, um, and, and they're right in saying that. And I think, in my mind, and one of the things that we've always kind of prided ourselves on doing is like, hey, let's do the math first, and then we can figure out more of the qualitative benefits. How do we feel about this or that? Because there's a lot of people that I'm sure that you meet with Zig that they'd rather just pay for the supplemental plan, know that they don't have to worry about it, but also they don't have to make a cost-benefit decision out of whether they want to go see a doctor or not. Um, I can think of several clients uh, that have expressed something similar to me. They'd rather just pay for it and just go and use the doctor whenever they need to. And then you have other people that are, you know, frankly, they can afford to self-insure uh, or to a certain extent, they can afford to take a higher out-of-pocket. They, uh, they're healthy. They say they don't do the, use the doctor that much. And they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think whenever, one of the important things to remember is when you look at this in aggregate, you know, like say from an insurance company perspective, they have, you know, thousands and millions of people actually that are, are in these plans. Uh, so they have a lot of large numbers on their side. As a husband and wife that's going on to Medicare, uh, we have a sample size of, you know, of one household basically. So you don't exactly know how it's going to play out for you. But if you're going to take that risk and have maybe a lower premium, but potentially higher out of pocket, you just have to make sure that you have the resources to do it. And um, it is a bit of a more of a, you can make an informed decision, but you don't really have a lot of large numbers on your side to rely to make sure that the probabilities are truly going to be in your favor, I guess is the way that I would frame it. Uh, does that make sense, Sig, or anything that you would add to that? I concur. I, I agree with what you're saying. So um, we've talked about Medicare now for um, more than the 30 minutes we were targeting. So, uh, you know, ballpark, somebody's going on a Medicare, maybe around three grand, $300 per month is kind of the number that Zig was using as a good starting point. What we use for financial planning purposes is a little bit higher, like around 5,000. Uh, but we just always say we'd rather be a little bit more conservative. Uh, and then if you're not spending on healthcare, you're spending on something more fun. The other thing I would say to you is just, you know, Medicare, uh, we're all aware of uh, government debt issues that we have, particularly in light of COVID this year. Um, Social Security, Medicare, you know, all these entitlement programs. Um, in my mind, we've talked about this before, Walter, in past episodes, but Social Security is kind of an uh, easier fix. Medicare and, and healthcare in general is a little bit more difficult, but um, you know, at least we got a snapshot of kind of where we're at today. And certainly these programs are going to have to change over time. But um, we kind of ran out of time, I think, to talk about IRMA. We have talked about that in prior tax planning podcast episodes. But that's been one way that the government has come in and really, I would say, means tested Medicare. The higher your income, the more you're going to pay for Medicare. Ballpark, if you meet you know, kind of that first you know, threshold, there's five tiers. 
And it's think of it as an add-on to your, your regular Medicare Part B and Part D premiums. And it starts that first year is about $70 per month or you know, 840 a year. But if you're, you know, if you're kind of Warren Buffett or somebody like that, you're paying a, an extra, it's about 420, 430 a month. And that's a good way to go ahead and kind of means test some of this. And if you have a lot of means, then it's a social insurance program and and it helps with uh, the funding of it. But it's still, even though we have this IRMA means testing, it's still not really adequate to put it in a more of a solvent position for the long term. So at least we know where we're at today. You know, we're, again, as for our firm, we're using about 5,000 per month. A lot of those healthcare studies that I mentioned, Fidelity, Vanguard, Milliman, what have you, you'll see it's about $5,000 or so per year. That can vary widely based on, again, just you know how healthy you are, if you have any sort of chronic conditions that you're dealing with. It also varies quite substantially by state. Uh, we have a lot of clients that are in Florida, a lot of clients in Ohio. Ohio is a lower premium state than Florida. Uh, so all these little kind of nuances pl- come into play. And when you get into healthcare and make these choices to go on to Medicare, in my opinion, and, and I get I get no benefit from this. We're just trying to help out our clients. But Zig uh, or somebody like Zig um, does a really good job just kind of sorting through all these complex decisions. You know, your drug list is going to change. Um, the block of business for that insurance company that you joined for whether it was an advantage plan or supplemental plan, you're going to have cost increases over time. All this stuff is kind of a moving target. So I, we generally recommend at least every couple of years, relook at your Medicare plan, make sure it's still befitting for you know, you today and you can't say you can maybe save some money if it makes sense to change. Um, but we've always been kind of a proponent of just thinking about every couple of years and, and relooking at things because your health is going to change. These plans are going to change. The costs are going to change. Life changes. And just kind of at least take a snapshot of it every couple of years to make sure that the plan is still most befitting for where you at today in light of all those changes. But Zig, uh, just to kind of put a bow on today, I really appreciate you joining us. I know you're going to come back for, to talk about pre-65 here for our next episode as well. Um, but uh, healthcare is a complex thing for sure. You got uh, this whole alphabet soup, but uh, there's people like Zig and there's some good information uh, out there uh, that you can avail yourself of to be more informed and really know what's important. And then maybe where you don't have to go into the weeds, and you can rely on somebody like Zig to navigate you through it. Usually the phrase uh, seeing the sausage gets made is not a positive one, but I actually think it is appropriate for today's episode because you guys peeled back the layers and really showed us, I think, something very valuable. And that's the level of detail and the level of thought that goes into helping people make these decisions as part of their financial and retirement plans. You know, you're not just pulling a pulling a cookie cutter book off the shelf to say, okay, you're you're this old, and uh, here's three little facts about you. Okay, it spits out the answer of this is what you should do. You guys really look deep into all the different possibilities, and it's neat to see the science and the thinking behind uh, why you would direct a client in a certain direction. You know how these uh, answers vary from person to person. I think it's very helpful just to see the level of detail that goes on behind the scenes in these conversations. In a to hoping that some people learned a few things about Medicare on today's show, but I think ultimately really helpful uh, to see the thought process behind it all. If you want to get in touch with Kevin Krosky, talk to him a little bit about Medicare, your overall financial plan, any questions that you may have, here's how you can get in touch with the show. You can call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. Or go online to truewealthdesign.com. 
And you can click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, that's at truewealthdesign.com. And we'll put uh, links and contact info in the description of today's show. Well, thanks for being with us on today's program. For uh, Kevin Krosky and, of course, also joining us today, special guest Zig Novak, who will join us again on another episode to talk about the pre-65 healthcare conversation for retirees. Um, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for being with us. And we'll talk to you next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.